Now let's look at the book of Acts this morning, please. Chapter 20. And we'll begin with verse 17 of Acts 20. And from Miletus he, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me or await me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God, Is there some other way for a sinner to be saved from eternal hell other than believing the true God in Christ Jesus? Is there some other way? Does God honor sincerity? even though a sinner believes other than in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I talked with a preacher who believed this, and in the course of the conversation, he said Billy Graham and W.A. Criswell believed this, as if that made it the gospel truth. And I told him that to believe God concerning his dear son was the only way of salvation. And he said I was intolerant 
and he's supposed to be a preacher. And if I had a title for this message, it would be this, I am a bigot. So what is a bigot? That's what I am. You have a bigot for a preacher here. And I gladly own up to the title, what is a bigot? That is one who is obstinately and intolerantly devoted to his own belief. And so I come under that definition. Is there some other way? I'm intolerant in that in saying, no, there's no other way. I'm obstinate in that. And so I am a bigot. But someone asked me, what about the heathen? You ever think about the heathen? We'll, we'll uh, identify the heathen in just a little bit. What about the heathen? Those who never hear of Jesus Christ. What about them? And that person said, are you telling me that all of those innocent people are going to hell even when they didn't have a chance? They never heard anything of Jesus Christ. You mean you believe that they're going to hell? And that was a professing Christian, and a lot, I guess, more than half the professing Christians would believe the same thing. Because Christianity, so-called, is made up today of those who are sentimental without truth. Did you know that most professing Christians believe that if any sincere heathen lives up to the light he has that he'll be saved. Did you know that? So here's the question. Can a sinner be saved from hell even though he does not believe in the true God or in Christ Jesus? Or, here's another way to put it, upon what grounds can a sinner claim admittance to heaven other than repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, that's what Paul said he preached. If you look at verse 20 in our text, verse 21, well, 20, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Everything I said to you was profitable. But I have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. What did you teach these people, Paul? Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the common answer that is given about these people who've never heard the gospel is this. 
they can be saved though they do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here are three arguments that they use. Number one, if a sinner is sincere in whatever religion he believes in and he lives up to the light he has, it would be unjust for God to condemn him to hell. And the second argument is this. If a sinner never heard the gospel, this means that he never had a chance to be saved. I believe Chris used that same expression, a chance to be saved. Therefore, it would be unjust for God to condemn someone who never had a chance. Now follow what I'm saying. And the third argument is this. We are condemned if and when we reject Jesus Christ and his gospel. That's when we're condemned. And so it is obvious that those who have never heard of the gospel cannot be condemned for rejecting it because they never did reject it. And therefore, it would be unjust for God to condemn the heathen. And those are the arguments. So we have to know what a heathen is. Here's a definition. A heathen is an unconverted member of a people or nation that does not acknowledge the God of the Bible. In other words, it is any and every unbeliever, and not only the primitive people of the world, but there are a whole lot of heathen in Ukraine. That Bushman out in Australia is not any more heathen than Ukraine heathens are heathen. And uh, here's my response to those who put up objections about this. The unbeliever will say, but what about the heathen? I've had people say that. What, what about the heathen? Now, when they say that, they're trying to blame something on God. <laughs> what about the heathen? And what do I answer to that? I say, well, now, wait, what about you? You'll not, never be saved unless you believe in Christ. What about you? And they say, well, I don't mean me. I'm referring to the heathen, those who have never heard. And I say, well, why should they concern you? Because the issue is that you are one heathen who has heard. What will you do about it? See, you just keep the pressure on. What about you? Are you trying to avoid the issue of your sin by bringing up an irrelevant question? 
The real question is this with each one in here. What about your eternal fate? You see, we don't talk about they and them and those. We talk about us. You see, here's the reason that people do that. What about the heathen? If they can get the heathen in and they want to get all the heathen in, then they can get themselves in. So when you talk to people like that, be a bigot toward them. Be a kind bigot, but be one anyway. Don't ever change. Don't ever let anybody off the hook. This is the basic teaching of this book, that anyone who is going to be with God forever must believe in the heart on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's just it. And when you... Think about the basic and foundational issue in this heathen question. It's whether or not the scriptures view ignorance due to the absence of the gospel as sufficient grounds for salvation. And when you consider this, here's the first principle. The first principle is that the scriptures alone tell us of the eternal destiny of all who do not believe in the person and work of Christ as presented in the biblical gospel. Every thought must conform to God's saying. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, what's the matter with them? It is because there's no light in them. And if anyone speaks without this word, they have no light. I'm laying down this principle. Everything you believe must be in accordance with what this book says. Now, there are three classes of people who do not adhere to this basic principle that the Word of God is the only thing we use in what we believe. They do not agree with that principle. There are three classes of people. The first one we'll call the thinker. And you can always tell the thinker, I've gotten to where I can recognize the thinker. He usually begins by saying, I think that. Or he might say, this is the only logical, he gets on logic. Or he may say, the only intelligent answer is. And you can pick him out right away. He's a thinker. He can outthink God. Because his brain works. 
Then the second kind of person who objects to this we call the experienced person. He'll begin to tell stories to decide the issue. And he'll say, did you hear about the heathen who worship God without knowing who or what he really is? I heard about him. Have you heard about that? Or he'll say, did you hear about that heathen that angels came to in a dream? <laughs> and things like that. There's an experience. A lot of people just relate experiences. Your experience is no good if it does not conform to the Word of God. Uh, the devil can give a lot of good experiences. And a lot of people base all that they believe on what they have experienced. That's not the, that's not the idea. That's not what uh, we base our beliefs on. Not what you've been through and what happened to you. And then thirdly, there's what we call the emotion, emotionalist. They'll always begin with three words. I feel that. I feel that. Well, what measurements what, make what you feel? Feelings are foolish a whole lot of the time. Don't depend on your brain. Don't depend on your experience. And don't depend on your emotions. You're with me now. You understand what we're talking about here. And I know this. Those who truly know God defend God at all costs. They're bigots. Whatever God does is just and right. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Well, of course he will. God is not unjust or unloving because he casts the wicked into hell. <coughs> He's sovereign in his wrath as well as in his grace. You know Romans 9. There's no need to turn there and read that. Romans chapter 9. It tells that fact that he's sovereign in his wrath. He hath mercy on whom he'll have mercy. and whom he will, he hardeneth. Some people defend man at all costs, even to the degree of degrading God degrading God never tone down a biblical doctrine because it offends people you could not preach this message in the average church because you would offend more than 90% of the people who were present because they believe this thing I think well I it's just uh, uh, it's just uh the intelligent way to think. No. Most people are like that. The gospel itself is offensive to the heathen. That's the heathen here and the heathen yonder. 
defensive. For the preaching of the cross is what? Paul said it uh, is to them that perish foolishness. It's foolish. This is foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's what? It's the power of God. What I'm saying to you is the power of God. And you'll never be saved till you hear the power of God in the gospel. And one day, perhaps God will use some man with the power of God to really bring people to an understanding of what we're talking about. The disciples came to the Lord Jesus and they said, Lord, they always said, Lord, they never did say Jesus. They were not as familiar with the Lord as these preachers are today. They always said, Lord. And they said, Lord, are you aware that you have offended the Pharisees? And his answer to them is a good lesson for you and I and must be our answer, our attitude when truth offends people. What's to be our attitude when truth offends people? Well, look at Matthew 15. Here's the Lord. We'll just take his attitude toward it. Matthew 15 and verse 12. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? What are you going to tell them? Somebody comes to me after this service this morning. I was offended by what you said. What am I going to say to them? I'll probably just say this. Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Let them alone. If people refuse to believe what I say, after a while, I'll let them alone. Determine in your spirit to believe God above everything else. And what I'm telling you is the truth of God. We must be careful that we approach this heathen issue with an open mind and an humble spirit in utter submission to the authority of Scripture. Just the Bible. Where do you get that? Out of the Bible? from God got that from God but I can't see it that way I know you can't but this is the way it is you see here are some biblical teachings number one all men are lost sinners 
That's everybody in here, isn't it? All of mankind, lost sinners, and in need of salvation. And if you'll go and carefully read, if you would, Romans chapter 1 through chapter 6, you'll never have any problem with the just condemnation of God which rests universally upon all men. You'll never have any more problem with that if you'll read it and believe it. It's summed up in Romans 3.23. What does that say? For all have sinned. All have sinned. That's you. Old vile sinners sit here before me this morning. I'm not speaking to good people. I'm speaking to vile sinners. All have sinned. And in Romans 6.23, it is summed up. The wages of sin, because you are a wicked, hellish sinner, the wages of sin is death. That's a biblical principle. It doesn't exclude anybody, anywhere. And the second biblical teaching is this. Those who say, if the heathen lives up to the light he has, he'll be all right, have never read Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. Never have. And, of course, most people who say things like that have never read anything. Well, our pastor said, well, that's just the problem, you see. Lying pastors, that's the problem. But do, do not want to offend anybody. I don't mind if I offend you if it's the truth of God. If you're offended, you need to be offended. Maybe it'll jerk you out of your lethargy and you'll think a little bit, you see. General revelation in creation points men. What is in Romans 1 and 2? General revelation in creation points men to the existence and the power of God and to his own sinnerhood and cries to him in his conscience. <coughs> Look at Romans chapter 1. We'll see what we're talking about here. Romans 1, verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Men can see God in things that are made so that they are without excuse because that when they knew God, they knew that God existed. They did not have a personal knowledge of him, but they knew God because they saw everything. And everything cannot be without a God. And when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts. 
was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They began to worship something they imagined was God because they knew there was a God. Chapter 2, verse 14, Romans. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Every man has the law written in his heart. He knows that that's wrong and this is right. He knows that. How does he know it? The law is written in his heart. Their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Now here's the point. Listen to the point. The reason I've read this to you. General revelation is sufficient to condemn all men. They see God in everything. That's sufficient to condemn all men. But the scriptures never speak of it as being sufficient to save anyone. Well, if the heathen just they live up to the light they have, and they, they worship the way they see, and they don't know any better, they're going to be all right. That's not so. In the Bible, salvation is tied to the gospel and comes by hearing and comes to us only in special revelation in the Holy Scriptures. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing what? By the Word of God. Not by that which is made, but by what God has said, you see. Also, the Bible teaches that no sinner has ever perfectly lived up to the light of general revelation. No sinner has ever done that. All men suppress and reject the light of creation and worship the creature instead of the creator. That's what Romans 1, 21 through 23 tells us. We read it. 21, when they knew God, they didn't glorify Him as God. They weren't thankful to Him. They became vain and professed themselves to be wise. They became fools. Their little brains began to work, and they produced in their brains a God of their imagination, and that's where most religious people are today. They imagine what God ought to be like. No sinner ever lives up to the light he receives. And these people say, well, if he lives up to the light he has, why, he'll be all right. No, no person ever lived up to the light he receives. And then this fact, the fact of judgment is determined on the basis of what? What is the, the fact, the basis the fact of judgment. How do you how does God determine judgment? Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. Ephesians 2, 3. 
among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And so what, what is the basis of God's judgment? There it is right there. The doctrine of original sin involves, now listen, it involves the imputation of Adam's sin to all mankind and is followed by the judgment of death. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 5, 12. We sin because we're sinners, and what we are by nature, all men by nature, determines the judgment of God. And so it is wrong to teach that we are lost if and when we reject Christ. Why is that wrong? Well, it's wrong because you are condemned because of what you are, a sinner. A sinner. You're condemned because of your nature. The heathen are condemned because of what they are. That bushman out in Australia and that native way down in the back country of Africa that never hears anything of God or Jesus Christ, he is condemned because of what he is by nature. They're sinners. Therefore, they're under God's wrath. If you're here this morning, you're outside of Christ, you're a sinner, therefore you're under God's wrath. Is that right? All right, let's talk about this subject. We'll just cover a lot of things this morning. Are there degrees of punishment? The degree of punishment is determined on the basis of the light and life of the person in question. Now this is determined on the basis of how much light. Because God is just, there will be degrees of punishment in hell. All sinners in hell will be miserable, but not equally miserable. In determining the degree of punishment, our Lord takes into account two things. Our words, Matthew 12, 37, Matthew 12, 37. He takes into account our words. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Watch what you say. 
And not only our words, but our works, Matthew 16, 27. Not only what we say, but what we do, 16, 27. <coughs> For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Your words, what you say, and your works, what you do, will be the basis of the degree of punishment if you go to hell. Disobedience and unbelief due to ignorance does not deliver a person from punishment. Leviticus 5.17 Are you still with me? You know, I think about that pot roast burning at home, I hope. Leviticus 5.17 If a soul sin and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he wished it not, though he knew it not, Yet is he guilty. Is that right? Yet is he guilty. And shall bear his iniquity, although he didn't know anything about what he was doing. If it's against what God said do, he shall bear his iniquity. But sin's done in ignorance now be better for you to be ignorant than to be sitting here this morning. If you're going to go to hell, you ought to go on to the back country and covered yourself up back there somewhere where you could not hear anything. Because it'll go lighter because sins done in ignorance will not receive as much punishment as sins done consciously in violation of known law. See, Chris preached my sermon in Sunday school. He used this scripture. Look at Luke 12. I stopped him. I said, you're preaching my sermon. He said, oh, well, I better stop right there. Luke chapter 12, verse 47. Now, I'm saying here that Sins done in ignorance will not receive as much punishment as sins done consciously with you sitting here this morning and you continue to sin and not bow down to the Lord Jesus Christ. Enormous punishment. All right, Luke 12, 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much of him they will ask the more. You hear this morning, you hearing all these things and you walk out that door and you know you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never bowed in subjection to him. 
and you go out there and get on this freeway and somebody runs into you and kills you, your punishment is going to be tragically more than those who know not. That's the teaching of the scripture. The heathen does not know. You know. Everyone here knows. Therefore, his punishment is less than yours. So the implicit teaching, here's where I'm a bigot. The implicit teaching of Scripture is that the only way to escape the wrath of God is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it makes no difference whether anybody ever hears of him or not because of their nature they are condemned. The only way to escape the wrath of God is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3.36 He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. John 10, 9, our Lord said, I'm the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. We must. And I reject the false idea that all religions, I read about another woman preacher in the religious section yesterday, said she just had a good toleration for all religions, and I don't doubt it a lick. I don't have toleration for all religions. And I'm outspoken about it. If anything is deceiving souls and sending them to hell, I want to say something about it. And I reject the idea, the idea that all religions are just different roads to hell. There's only one road or different roads to heaven. Only one road to heaven, that's Christ. And what I'm doing right now is the only way you will ever be saved from destruction. I'm preaching the gospel to you. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You're hearing it, aren't you? Don't you hear this? You're hearing. You hear here. I hope you hear down in here. Hear. Here, the gospel does not come to us from angels or visions or dreams. But the gospel comes to us through the preaching of the gospel of Christ. And if salvation is possible through ignorance or neglect of the gospel, then our Lord Jesus Christ died in vain. His death was a mockery of salvation can be obtained by any other matter than by believing in him. Ignorance will never stop God's wrath. Only the blood of the substitute fully trusted in gives peace with God. And by God's grace, I will never turn from that. 
I am a bigot. Here's another question. And I'll be through in a minute. You don't have to wiggle. I'm almost through. <laughs> another question. Are sincere, ignorant, neglectful people passed over in God's judgment? Well, let's think about that in the Scripture. We're talking about sincere, ignorant, neglectful people. Does God's judgment pass over them? Think about it in the Bible. What about the flood? Man sinned and God's judgment came upon him for his sin. And only the believer Noah and his family were delivered from wrath. Now here's the question. Were there any ignorant, sincere people in Noah's day? There must have been millions who didn't hear Noah. What happened to them? They drowned, didn't they? <laughs> if we asked Noah about the sincere, ignorant people in our day, what would he say? What about Sodom and Gomorrah? Man sinned and God's judgment came upon him and only the believer Lot and his two daughters were delivered from the fire and brimstone. What happened to all the sincere, ignorant people living in those cities? God judged Egypt at the time of the Exodus. And let me ask, was there any sincere, ignorant Egyptians? Were they saved from the judgment plagues of God? Did the death angel pass over the houses where the people were sincere and ignorant? You see, this idea destroys all the gospel. Because you can't use that exodus and those people coming out and putting that blood on their doors. You couldn't use that if the Egyptians who lived over yonder were ignorant of all of this and God's judgment passed over. You couldn't use that anymore. That's how serious this is. And what of our Lord Jesus Christ? He must be the worst bigot of all. I'm in real good company. Because he said, I, I, well, what? Just you? Yes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, Lord, there's got to be, if people don't know that, surely they're all right. Oh, no. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man, heathen or what he be, cometh unto the Father but by me. How dare anyone accuse God of being unjust in whatever he does? If the righteous judge has revealed in his word that all people outside of Christ all people, heathen or what they might be, will be cast into the lake of fire. Who is the person that will condemn what he says? 
What do you deserve from the Lord, you sinner? What do you deserve? The Bible teaches that God does not owe us anything or that we even deserve, as that common saying is, a chance to be saved. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve anything. Salvation is by grace. God does not have to save anyone at all. Uh, this, this crazy, crazy, mixed-up mind of man has warped what God teaches. See, the real question is not the heathen, it's you. What are you going to do about this? You walk out that door without Christ? Oh my, what a, what a frightening thing. What a frightening thing. Are you a heathen? To remain a heathen under the sound of the gospel will be an awful judgment. And so here it is. Now here's my directions to you. Very simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. No other way except to believe on him. You'll never make it to heaven in the presence of God until you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how bigoted I am. There's just not any other possibility. And if a man calls me a bigot, what was that definition of bigotry? What did I say here? One obstinately and intolerantly devoted to his own belief. That's me. And I will not change. And you won't either if you know him. We'll stay right there. And may God bless all these words to our hearts.